Hello, San Pedro Podcast, episode 78. Hey, I'm Amanda. And I'm Jess. And this is the Hello, San Pedro Podcast. Join us as we talk with locals, community leaders, business owners, and people like us who love all things San Pedro. Every week, we'll explore San Pedro's deeply rooted culture, discuss local issues, and spread good vibes. Let's get into it. Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. This is Jess, one of your co-hosts. Today we have a very special guest who is an incredible sponsor of our podcast and has been very generous with allowing us to record in his office space. And um, we're really excited to hear his story and how he ended up in San Pedro. Hi, this is Brock Ashfield. I'm a realtor with Palm Realty Boutique. Uh, We just opened the 10th Palm Realty Boutique office in beautiful downtown San Pedro. Uh, sitting here with the podcast girls. I lived in San Pedro 21 years ago, bought 21 years ago, knock on wood. I'm a transplanted Texan, moved here 24 years ago from Houston, Texas. Uh, and everybody thought I'd move directly right back, but get used to the weather. And we're in one of the fastest growing urban areas of all of Southern California. So very glad to be here. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thank you. Thank this you guys exciting. for being here. It is exciting. We're finally getting to sit down with The Rock Ashfield. That's right. That's right. We are sitting down. All right. So we kind of like to start off by talking about your upbringing and then what ended up your journey over to San Pedro. Okay. Well, my parents are both New Yorkers. I was born in Middlesbrough, Kentucky, because my dad was stationed there at Fort whatever it was. He was actually in Army intelligence. So um, moved back to Albany, New York in 11 months. And my dad worked for Shell Oil, so we moved around a lot. That's what happened. You were called a Shell Oil brat. So we moved uh, to Utica, New York, moved to Baltimore, Maryland, actually Towson, a suburb, which is really where all my initial sports affiliations started, second through fourth grade. Baltimore (laughs) Colts, Baltimore Orioles, Brooke Robinson, Johnny Unitas. Johnny Unitas still to me is the greatest quarterback of all time. Then moved to Westfield, New Jersey, where he worked in New York City, which was a great bucolic town, fantastic. And then in 1970, all the oil companies moved to Houston, Texas, which seemed like, you know, we really did think cowboys and horses were still out there and whatever. In fact, when we moved, they decided to drive down. We stopped in Middlesbrough. And so we wanted to show you where you were born. And they're like, do you know, remember, Miss? I go, I was 11 months old. How am I going to remember? We actually went through New Orleans. We're there for the Mardi Gras. Uh, Dad got a place. We were like up elevated you know, in the restaurant over the Mardi Gras. It was fantastic. And How old it, were you? Uh, 12. 12. Okay. Yeah. And uh, then drove into Houston expecting all the cowboys and they weren't there. Uh, located on the outskirts of town, which is now not the outskirts of town. And Houston was this brand new bustling, the Astrodome and AstroTurf. Uh, in, in school, they really promoted the Astros a lot. And if you got straight A's, you got free tickets. So I oh. dragged my dad to, hey, this Tuesday night, let's go to the baseball game. And he's a big Yankee fan. And we sit in the Astrodome and at AstroTurf. He goes, they're playing on a carpet. You know, how is this really baseball and all this other kind of stuff? So it was a great place to grow up. Uh, Texas is a state of mind. 
when I worked overseas, I'd always say I'm from Texas, not the U.S. People got that. Dallas was still a big TV show at the time, so oh, people yeah. really got it. Uh, Where did you work overseas? Um, Saudi Arabia. Oh, well, yeah. whoa. It's like, how long? Two years. Oh, wow. Okay, was that because of oil? Uh, it was, I mean, let's just back up. I went to Texas a and I was in high school, senior class president. Uh, Me too. <laughs> there we go. Um, which meant I was responsible for future reunions, which is a pretty big responsibility. Which is really annoying. And I'm like, I did not mean to sign up for this for the rest of my life. But yeah, <laughs> continue. It, yeah, uh, it was okay. Went to Texas A&M University, uh, got a civil engineering degree and an MBA. Uh, and then my first job was with a major engineering construction firm called Raymond International, and they had projects all over the world. And so they built this six-mile trestle from a liquefied natural gas plant, which was in Rahima, Saudi Arabia, out to where the tankers could pull up because the tankers were so big and deep, they had to be out there. So we had built this trestle, and then it was sort of deteriorating. We had to go out and fix it. So after a year of being a financial analyst, they said, now it's time to be an engineer. Go out and work on this project. So I did that for just under two years. What was it like living there? Awful. It was, uh, you know, I mean, there's different parts of the Middle East that are a little more Americanized or whatever you want to call it, westernized. Um, Saudi Arabia is not. Uh, we lived in a when I worked on shore, we lived in a sort of a housing area that's for a lot of expats and stuff. It was fine, but there's nothing to do. Can't drink at all. You can't, you never see women. You know, I actually, the one couple times when we would go to Dahran, where the Marine base was, and we actually played softball. It felt like America again. I was really into softball at the time. And I remember we had a Thanksgiving event and there was like, Two gals, and actually, actually, this is sort of a weird thing when you really can't talk to other people in a normal situation. You could go around town and people would be friendly and all that other kind of stuff. It wasn't like, you know, it was super strict, but you go through a lot of these guard posts and stuff, and there's guns and things like that. Yeah. So later on, I worked the night shift, and actually, that was actually pretty cool. I could go out there at night and, and do things, and so I didn't really have to deal with it. The great thing was you would get... After four months, a two-week R&R, which you, they give you some money, and you try to go to a travel agent and figure out the best way to spend it. So, you know, I went to Bali and Singapore oh, cool. and Thailand and all that kind of stuff, which was very cool. Um, so in, in the end, it was all worth it. And then you come back. I didn't come back till after a year because you're saving money on the taxes, and you have no idea what a candy store we live in. You know, if you ever don't think what you appreciate here, yeah. go somewhere else yeah. and figure it out. And it's like, and this, this is back in the mid eighties. Mm -hmm. So we didn't have Facebook and online and internet and right. all that other kind of stuff. Yeah, Just MTV was a sensory overload. You're right. To be able to actually like keep in touch. Because like TV like over there, you know, uh, it had government stuff. They would have, if they broadcast a show from here, it was so highly edited, you didn't know what was going on. Yeah, you could right, because of censorship. You could see British TV because it usually wasn't, not risque, but it'd be normal. And then uh, football yeah. or soccer. Right. Which was, you watch English football, this was before it got really popular over here. Right. I mean, there's bloods and guts in that game. I mean. Kind of rugby-ish. Yes. <laughs> So, that's so cool. That's it. And then um, what else? 
So anyway, I actually worked at Continental Airlines after that. When I came back, the energy crisis was there. Houston was pretty much 95% oil-related type things. Um, so there was a Texas Air and Frank Lorenzo. I was just trying to remember his name. They were a, con a combination of a bunch of different airlines. So I went there. So that was a big left turn. Uh, and I fin helped finance the airplanes, um, which was cool. And of course, then you got free flight benefits, which yeah. was the thing. They never really paid you that much, but if you could fly to Acapulco on the weekend for free, in the good old days, before the Iraq war, before things really sort of thinned out. Yes. Um, but that was actually pretty good. Okay, so did you just say you can go fly to Acapulco for like Nothing. a weekend? Yes. For like dinner? Yes. <laughs> Unbelievable. So wait, just to quickly, do you have any experiences like that? Yeah. We, You're like, I literally went to Acapulco we for the dinner. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness. So, um, yeah, no, we did. You want to go to Acapulco? Sure. Let's go. That's yeah. amazing. Uh, my brother said uh, in the White Sox in Chicago played at Comiskey Park, one of the older parks, and they were shutting it down and building a new one. And so unlike Wrigley Field, which is in the middle of the hot spots of Chicago, Comiskey is like the dead end of town. It's old warehouse land. It's okay. awful. But it's like, let's go see Comiskey before they shut it down. So we can fly free out there and we'll go see Wrigley too. Uh, and I'd say that Saturday at Comiskey was one of the best Saturdays of my life. It was such a great park. I mean, the, the outfield bleachers were so cavernous. I mean, you could pitch a tent out there, the beams and everything. You could actually walk around the entire stadium about 10 rows up from the field and check everything out. It was great. So then we saw Wrigley also, and this is probably a little too much detail, but that weekend, um, oh God, and I'm blanking on his name. Oh my God. Nolan Ryan uh, has most no hitters of anybody. Okay. He was in Seattle the weekend before I was in Seattle in business. He did not win that game. He's going for his 300th win. So it's like, he's going to pitch in Milwaukee. So we stayed an extra day, drove up to Milwaukee. You could smell the beer. I understand you can't do it now, but you can smell the beer driving in. It was a gigantic party because everybody was there. They had a polka band on a stage where everybody's walking around with a 12-pack. That sounds amazing. And, I know, seriously. No, and, and no one did win his 300th game, and we were there. And it was a packed stadium and all that other kind of stuff. So, yeah, that was those were the things you could do when you had free airline passes. That is amazing. That's honestly the dream, when I you know. can just pick up and leave for a weekend. Yeah. yeah, you lived a jet setter life. Uh, not really, but uh, it, it, it <laughs> I was think it's so. what, what kept you there because we worked really long hours. Yeah, not much pay, but the idea of being able to go anywhere. Amazing. Let's go to New York or I'm right. in San Francisco, and so and so. Could come Did you out have a me. favorite place that you would go visit? Like you were like, oh, I've got free flight passes. What would be the go-to like default? Uh, the, there was some guys who helped us with financing for the airplanes were out of San Francisco. Oh, okay, yeah. So they did a lot of boondoggles for us. So that was my introduction to California, a nice segue. Uh, we go out to San Francisco, and I, I just believe the light is different here. You know, they say the light in south of France is different. I just thought, oh, everything looks different. It's just, I, I was just enamored with it. So when you, know, you say enamored with that, you mean California living or no, just San Francisco, Francisco and the light. I just dug the whole thing. So we came out here many times. We're at Silverado at Carmel, which was just, oh, my God, this is unbelievable. And so that was my introduction to California and some of the wineries, of course, and that type of stuff. 
And, you know, L.A. to me was O.J., riots, fire. Mm. A couple times I'd been From out TV. here. I had been to the convention, L.A. Convention Center. And this was before downtown grew up. Right. You know, it was the streets rolled up. And this is the same thing as Houston. Nothing happened downtown. And then they put the baseball stadium down there and it just became great. Uh, and that's what happened here. When I moved out here, they were talking about something called the Figueroa Corridor Project. And this was like a figment of someone's imagination. Oh, we're going to build this and this is going to happen. And people were like, oh, that'll never happen. Because mm -hmm. when I moved out of here, I worked for Ernst & Young's public-private development practice. And we worked with municipalities on how to do entertainment destination stuff. We worked with the city of Carson when they were considering a football project. Yeah. Uh, we did the initial analysis on the Pike and Long Beach and stuff mm -hmm. like that. So the Figueroa project was like, oh, well, this is what's gonna happen this year, and we try to consult on that. Mm -hmm. We actually did consulting on USC's basketball arena. The Galen Center, uh, they would generally do most of their stuff by asking for donations. Mm -hmm. And we had a bunch of USC guys at Ernst & Young, which was fun. And we uh, told them, hey, you could do some mixed-use retail development and get, you know, um, property tax off that. And that can fund this so it doesn't have to be 100% fundraising. So all that stuff happened there. So that's, so then, yeah, I fell in love with Northern California. But then when I moved out here was like, oh my God, there's so much more to SoCal than people know. Yeah. You go up in Topanga Canyon, it looks like Mars, uh, all the way down <laughs> to Laguna Niguel. And yeah. it was like, and people would ask, what do you guys do, you know, for fun? And it was like, anything and everything. Around. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, I could surf well, in the morning and go snowboarding at night. <laughs> so that's the reason why Hollywood was built here in LA was because they could get all the various landscapes from oh across gosh, the world so here. True. And so then that's why they would make it easy for them to go film all these movies. I and actually never knew that. Or yeah. Like took that into consideration. But yeah, you could literally, you have like the snow, you can have, you have the water, you have the desert, you have the beach, you have the mountains, you, you have, have all the landscapes. But you also have good weather great weather and, and that was the other thing i came out here and again the light if i think about the old tv shows mannix barnaby jones whatever they were all all the car chases were all splashed with sunshine and you'd think they're you know we're really in cleveland or cincinnati no you're not <laughs> you're in la yeah we can go on forever because yes. i know there's yeah. a thousand tv you know series that film here yeah but yeah that's actually one of the coolest things i think about living here yeah, it's, you know, you, especially if you grew up somewhere else and whatever you saw and whatever you get here and you sort of realize, oh, this is how they do it. And uh, so anyway. Yeah. Um, so I'm curious. So you were living in Texas. You did a little stint in Saudi Arabia, then came back to Texas. At what point did you actually move to California? Uh, it was December 1997. Okay. And so was, this is the late 90s. Yep. yep, right before right before a lot of change. Uh, I had uh, bought a house. This is sort of interesting to note. We'll talk about real estate. Um, lived in an apartment uh, in the middle of town. My dad always wanted me to stay close to the house. Like, no, I got to get away. Because that's what I lived at home for a year before I went to Saudi Arabia. Then when I came back, it's like, I'm out. And had an apartment, then wound up buying a house in a place called the Heights, which was near downtown. And and I bought it from a friend of mine. So I knew the area and whatever. And near downtown, also close to some place called Inside the Loop, where all the bars and hot spots were and all that type of stuff. So I am closer. So I bought like a 1,400 square foot bungalow. And um, 
And when I bought it, people said, why did you buy in this rundown, down in its luck neighborhood, which was the Heights, which was all bungalows and Victorians, but was near downtown where nothing was happening. So it's like, well, I, I knew the tree-lined streets, beautiful, whatever. I mean, I just was overjoyed and stuff. My brother got me a shotgun <laughs> that I've never fired um, because of fear of where I right. was and that type of stuff. Um, anyway, um, I came out here for a job, uh, for the Ernst & Young job, and didn't really want to go. Loved Texas, loved where I was, loved the Heights, was involved with a rodeo and all that kind of business, which was a great event. Wait, um, wait, wait. Side note. You were involved in a rodeo? The Houston Livestock and Rodeo was a very big event in yeah. March. And went to that religiously. My dad always had a lot of tickets. So there's the rodeo. There's the chili cook-off, which yeah. is a big thing you want to go to. Uh, Continental had a booth and all that kind of stuff. So this is great networking, whatever, fun stuff. Uh, just loved it. Um, if you normally saw your commenting on the Tommy Bahama, my thing then was jeans, white button down, and cowboy boots. <laughs> oh my Very goodness. Cowboy, and, cowboy rock. We need, a, we need a photo of that. Yes. And that's... Um, cowboy hat? And Well, for the rodeo, yeah. Oh, wow. But I've when gone I, when to I a went rodeo. To, I have a... I'm not going to tell you the story about the, the getting almost uh, uh, left behind in uh, Phuket. Uh, Phuket, is it? Uh, Thailand. But oh, Phuket. Oh, Phuket. Yeah. So I'm in Thailand. I'm leaving Bangkok. I'm on a plane. I go down and I'm going to stay on this bungalow on the beach. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, the travel guy says, This is what you do. So, um, when it, was this? Like 1985. Oh my gosh. This is like early Phuket before it even became party city that it is. And now. there's these girls on the plane that go, Come with us. We'll drive. And I was like, Nah, it just it didn't sound right. So I got in a cab. The guy took me down. So it's like midnight. And I'm trying to check into this bungalow place on the beach. It's all dark. And the guy says, we're all sold out. And I go, I have reservations. And I go, what am I, I'm just sitting there, you know. And they go, wait a minute, there's an American and he's a 2020, that was a news program photographer here and he's leaving tomorrow. Let's see if he'll share his bungalow with you. So the guy comes out and he says, yeah, it's okay, come with me, you can spend the night. And I go, why did you say yes? He goes, and I think I had a Texas A&M white cap, my white button down, blue jeans and boots. And he goes, well, you had an A&M cap on, you got boots on, so you're okay. So that whole Texas thing worked really well. Was overseas. he from Texas too? Or? I don't know where he was oh. from, but that was very cool. Yeah, it's just that Southern charm and that like, I want to say that comfort of. But it was, it's just, it was just amazing to me how recognizable or yeah. some things are. But anyway, so uh, I came out here for a job, and um, it was very cool, and it was good, a good deal and all that kind of stuff. And a lot of people thought, well, he's going to come back in a year. And, uh, you know, after a while, you get used to the weather, and you get used to what's going on. It's like, and the deal was, it was like, I'll never buy a house out here. I just sold mine for 120000 and now I'm staring at four fifty here. That'll never happen. But after, you know, several years of high lease payments and stuff, it's like, oh, this could be a mortgage payment. So yeah. we conducted the search. Did you move here with your wife? Um, Deborah, no. I came out first. I came out. And then she generally came out later. Okay, so you moved to California. I'm curious where exactly were you living? Well, I know you, you were working you were at Ernst, Heights, right? But the Heights well, in Texas. Oh, in Texas. That was Texas. Yeah, so, so where here? The reason here... I want to say that real quick 
was because the same story here, yeah. because LA, the Figaro project, whatever, that wasn't going to happen. So I sold my house for $127,000. Um, I'm out here. Now LA is starting to cook. They build a, and I worked for a company called Brown and Root in major civil projects. And I, the football coach uh, for the Oilers wanted to move. The Astrodome was down the outskirts of town. So he wanted a downtown stadium. Well, that's only eight dates a year. And I told our guys, you really should build a baseball stadium downtown. That's 82 dates. That's traffic. And all these white-haired older guys said, gosh, you don't know what you're talking about. Well, you know what? Five years later, they did. And then Houston started to really grow in downtown. And then the basketball arena was put there. And then it became the hot spot, such that the heights became a hot spot too, and new construction of things that looked Victorian and bungalowy and whatever. And frankly, the house I sold for 127000 last year is probably now worth 700000 which in you know the days of this whole acceleration may not sound much, but that was, it was six, 600 five years ago. I couldn't move back because I wouldn't move back to a 1,400 square foot house. I still have friends there. And they're like, it, now bars are there. It's the hop and spot. And so that's what I've always thought about San Pedro was the heights by the sea, mm-hmm. you know? And so all the discussion of what could actually happen here, I've seen it happen yeah. to a place that people, you know, has a reputation or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And it's like, it can happen here. Mm-hmm. And when we, we want to, we can get into some of the events that actually happened here where I saw people will come. It's just, we just got to put some, you know, muscle into this. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm curious, where in LA did you move to? Beverlywood. Beverly. Oh, that's, that was the first place that yeah. you were living. And then at what point did you end up buying a place here in San Pedro? So I least, I, I didn't want to, I looked at some apartments and stuff and I, I did not want to live in an apartment. I had to lease a house and trying to lease a house is tough yeah. anywhere you are. So Why is that? They're not, there's not a lot available. And then to qualify, especially where I was, was like, and I, I lucked out. I got a place that was right below Pico. And the guy said, oh, I was going to lease it to two girls. But, you know, I'm sitting there in my three-piece suit and whatever. And I, I probably looked better. But, um, you know, it's, anyway, so I, I leased two houses there. And then uh, the, it was year 2000. I could see the market was down when I came out here. People said, don't buy a house. I go, don't worry. It's not going to happen because the defense contractors had moved out and that caused a little lull in the market. But I could see the market going up and it's like, damn, if we're going to stay. We need to buy now. So for eight months, every weekend, we're looking. Beverly Wood. And then I'm working in Long Beach now for an engineering oh, company okay. called Earth Tech. It was on Pine Avenue. And actually, the commute wasn't too bad. It was against the grain. Um, and so that meant, okay, let's go look at her, the beach cities. Um, let's go look at PV. So we checked everything out. And we're knocking around PV. And then I realized I couldn't afford what I wanted in PV. Crossing to San Pedro. San Pedro looks like L.A. And I'll just have to say this at the beginning. I lived in a hotel when I first moved out, which was near the what's now the Grove or Farmer's Market. Oh, yeah. Uh, great little boutique hotel. And when we started just exploring, we looked at houses at Fairfax, which was just really interesting. I mean, there was one house was like the old woman in the shoe. It was like curvy and whatever. And that went for half a million and just like going, oh my God, that's sort of amazing. So um, uh, that, that's where my 
appeal for residential real estate in California turned out because you didn't know what was behind any door in California real estate. Do you want to go see this house? Oh, it looks sort of small. Well, let's go in anyway. 3,000 square feet. Where did they pack this all in? So yeah. it's like you didn't know. So, I mean, I was an open house guy all the time being in California. So your search for your own home really like opened your eyes and the doors into real estate. Yeah, and the whole Ernst & Young thing too, because what we really did was land residual analysis. So if somebody had a project, they wanted to know, will the project throw off enough revenue to justify the purchase of the land? You wouldn't really think about doing that in Texas. And, and when I would go back to Houston, I'd see all these empty lots of undeveloped space. And you know there isn't anything here. Mm -hmm. And the reason we never had a football team for the longest because there was no place to build anything. Mm -hmm. And it always has problems. The Carson thing was building on top of a landfill. Mm -hmm. It wasn't until whatever his name is, he bought you know, that whole race park thing that he could build on his own land, which is why it happened, yeah. which is an Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. So that's why we couldn't ever have a football team. And people in had, here in LA, you're yeah. saying, yeah. There was no place to build the stadium, really. Because many parts were landfill or just didn't well, have. Well, yeah, there was a lot of things thrown up. They tried to make, could we renovate the Coliseum? No, that would cost too much and stuff. So there's a whole plethora of that. So that was real estate. But yes, to your point, my personal home search was like, okay, this is really interesting and that type of stuff. Also opened me up to all these different areas. Yeah. Um, and then we crossed into San Pedro. Never really had a dedicated realtor. I sort of had a guy in PV, but he really wouldn't cross over to San Pedro. He'd probably argue with me about that right now. But um, saw a house, top of 17th and Averill, and it was sort of rainy that day. I think it was February, and it was very San Francisco-y. Mm -hmm. And I was like, hmm, I could maybe do this, you know, mm -hmm. and called back on it. It was gone. Mm -hmm. And but she, she said, come on down. I'll show you this other place and this other place. So, OK, came on down. I remember driving down the freeway, you know, driving by the refinery. But it was all very it was May or April, very lush and green. And I was like, this is because this was like a, a jaunt from Beverly Wood. It's like, right. we're going down here. We're leaving West Hollywood and all that kind of stuff. It's the end of the freeway. Yes. Yeah, literally, yeah. And looked at this house on Dotson, and if you know that block of Dotson before 9th Street, they're all houses that have three flights of stairs up. And this house really didn't have a kitchen in it. It had a kitchen, but there was hardly any appliances in it. Had a nice view, and it was a very cool house. And it was like, hmm, I guess this is going to have to be it, you know, after eight months or whatever. And she said, well, let me show you something else. And we went around the corner. And she goes, this is in escrow already. But the young couple is balking at the inspection report. And it's a 1926 Spanish. And we're right in front of it. And we walked in. We, and it was just, this is it. This is it. You know, it was virtually the same price as the place without the kitchen and the three stairs. Yeah. And like, let's do it. So that Monday, I found myself at the other place signing two offers. I just couldn't believe this, you know, a million bucks away on two houses. And we wound up getting that house. 
Hey, real quick, um, Amanda here to remind you that we have a Patreon. So if you are loving our podcast and you're enjoying all the episodes, then we kindly invite you to visit us on patreon.com slash hello San Pedro. There you can um, support our podcast and you'll also get access to bonus episodes on a weekly basis, which will include extended interviews, um, some more personal stories from our guests, as well as some awesome segments that we're going to start rolling out soon. Um, in fact, we are rolling out with our first segment in today's weekly Patreon episode, and we do a Facebook deep dive. So we get into all of the community posts, and um, it brings up all kinds of relevant topics, some serious, some fun, and some very lighthearted and amazing. So anyways, if you want to hear our commentary on all of the Facebook posts in the last week or so, then visit us there. Thanks so much. Um, I think it was good that we kind of went on that tangent because that's kind of where we were going. We wanted to know a little bit more about what led you into real estate. And I feel like we got a little bit of a peek of that. When did you decide to kind of focus on real estate as your as your main thing? Um, after the whole Ernst & Young thing, I sort of, sort of then became this privatized finance guy. So that led me into the water industry where we did design, build, operate stuff for water, wastewater plants. So I did that for a number of companies and all that kind of stuff. And then found myself without a job. And uh, and what year was this? 2012. Okay. And uh, so... Um, so it was after the recession. I don't even know when the recession was. But... Uh, you know, so and now I'm really in sort of a niche business and it was really sort of small and you become your resume, you know, and it's like, it doesn't matter what you can do. You're your resume. You know, well, you can't do this because you've you're been like, doing this. You're pigeonholed exactly. into, what, into what you did. Yeah. So it was very frustrating. So uh, girlfriend says, get your real estate license. You know all this stuff. And I didn't even know she had a real estate license in Texas. And it was like, yeah, I knew the finance. I knew real estate a little bit. I knew how to negotiate. I knew contracts, that type of stuff. And um, so I studied for my license and sort of enjoyed studying for the license. Just did it online. Didn't go anywhere. Took notes. I sort of liked it because it was a lot of stuff I knew and from school and before. And um, then it's time to take the test. I was auditing some classes at KW Beach Cities because I saw something on Facebook. So I'm waiting to take the test. Uh, don't really know what I'm going to do at all. Uh, it was tough to find the test. Actually, the testing was too long to wait in L.A., so I drove to San Diego for it. Um, and I, in my water days, I drove back and forth to San Diego a lot, so that wasn't really big deal. But it's like, if I'm driving to San Diego, I'm going to nail this sucker. <laughs> I remember showing up early and studying in the Burger King, uh, in a nondescript part of San Diego, and you go in, they sort of have electronic stuff. They You can't have anything on you. If you have pencils or whatever, you have to put it in a locker. And it's like 150 questions. And I just told myself, um, well, I can miss like, you know, 70 years. Oh my gosh, I used to do that at school. I would calculate how many can I miss and still pass or like still get an A. Yeah. And I used, so funny. To, used to prep people on this as team leader at LA Harbor is like, you know, um, it's all multiple choice. There's no math. Um, learn your definitions really well, which is what I did. I realized because I had flashcards and I was not getting the flashcard stuff. And it's like because the real estate from 
definitions of what I knew in previous life were a little different in real estate. So anyway, I passed. The deal is if you don't pass, they tell you your score. If you pass, you don't know how well you did. So you pass and you get your number. And I got, I was waiting around for my number. And so, and here's the deal. Prior to the test, driving around, going to open houses and stuff. And I had a issue because I'm still trying to find a job, but I'm going to be put myself out there as a realtor. Well, who's going to hire me if I'm a realtor? It's like, how am I going to market myself? I don't know. And so here you go. Here's a big prop. I see a sign that says, dig the view. And I'm like, oh, my God, what is that? There's no face. There's no nothing. There's no name. It just says, dig the view. And I'm going, that's interesting. So I go in. We've got to stop and check this guy out. It's a guy named Dallas Brock. There was two guys. And he's on the phone. It's football season. I'm trying to talk to him. I go, hey, what does this mean? And all this other kind of stuff. That was pretty much it. Now, later, I passed the test. I'm coming back from a Beach Cities thing. And they have an open house on a Thursday, which I thought was interesting. And then I got to meet his partner, Sam. And uh, I said, Dallas, you remember me? I just passed the test and whatever. He go, where are you going to go? And I had no idea. Didn't really know. I just knew Remax had a balloon. And I knew where the Keller Williams was. Uh, and briefly sort of knew Keller Williams was associated with Texas. Uh, and Sam goes, oh, you got to join us, you know. And he goes, um, you got to come to a team meeting. You got to call Grace. She's a team leader. So I got myself invited to a team meeting. Um, they were nice and down home. A lot of people there. No one took themselves seriously. I recognized several realtors in there that I'd talked to at open houses. There was one gal who did some Trump properties, which actually impressed me. Uh, and I pretty much signed up the next Monday wow. and uh, walked in with a suit. <laughs> they're, they're talking to me a lot about clothes, just for the record. Uh, We're offering our rebranding <laughs> skills to rock. In, <laughs> Unsolicited. Unsolicited, for it, sure. And they, they, they have a coaching program, uh, which was good. So you do three deals and you give some money to your coach. I didn't care. I'm doing something completely different, you know, and I knew I was sort of a legal guy and a contract guy. You know, I didn't want to get in trouble and that type of stuff. So, yeah, coach me up. And the coaching is sort of people misunderstand it. You know, it's that you have someone who sort of overlooks what you're doing, not just, you know, spoon feeding you and stuff like that. I didn't really I don't know if I needed much coaching. I knew what to do. I went immediately started doing open houses. I need to meet people I don't know. I had lived in San Pedro 13 years, but my job had me flying around all the time. Um, so that also involved recruiting. And so I was like, how do we promote the office and us and whoever else to do it? And I saw some other people doing videos. And there was another team leader in Porter Ranch doing stuff. And I was like, that's pretty cool. And I was like, well, maybe we should start doing that instead of the stuff that we're doing. And he told me, he goes, Rock, if you start doing these, they're going to go everywhere. You won't know. You won't, can't tell by the number of views because people will share and all this other kind of stuff. And there was an agent in our office named Brandy Alexander. She was model type gal, very, um, oh, what's the word? Um, spiritual. And uh, she go, I go, Brandy, should I start doing these? Is the world really ready for this? She goes, oh, Rock, yes. Oh, Rock, you, you're going to rock it, man. It's going to be just fantastic and whatever. So uh, I think... Um, we all need a Brandy in our life. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> She's awesome. 
And uh, so I did. I can't remember what the first one. It was just by myself. But the second one I did with the front desk girls, which is actually still my all time favorite. And I actually did scripts for a while. And we didn't really quite follow them. After a while, we just ditched that whole thing. It's like, let's just go. But uh, they became fun. And we involved a lot of different people in the office. You know, here's Sal Sorrentino. And, and that, that was a real fun one, too. And so it just sort of grew out of there. And it became, you know, a thing. Maybe not a huge thing, but a thing enough. And I would get from time to time, and I always tell people about Facebook, not to promote them or whatever, but Facebook is free branding. Yeah. You know, it's just there. And I, I can't believe, like I posted something on this office about two different sign designs for the office. And I got hits from people, I, you don't even know who's following you, who never likes you, never tags you or whatever. When I go to open house or brokers open, which is for agents, I just met the owner of the KW South Bay. And he goes, I know who you are. You're the, hey. And it's like. You're a rock the house. Didn't even know who this guy was. Yeah. So, and this office probably wouldn't even be here without the real estate minute. Because when I met the owner, Brett Zabrowski, because I had to meet him because I knew a big agent had moved and joined Palm. And I said, uh, Deborah, we got to go meet this guy. It was like right after Christmas. And I walked in and I said, are you Brett? And he goes, yep. I go, I'm Rock. And he goes, I know you from your real estate videos. And it's like, holy cow. That's so, awesome. Yeah. So, it's, so that's that. And then when we came here, we um, sort of did a little different version. Yeah. You go ahead. I was just going to ask, from day one, did you call it the Real Estate Minute? Yes. So I wanna I wanted to point out that the real estate minute, which are these like two minute videos, two minutes or less, right? Selfie videos, I should say, with guest people in the real estate industry or just in general, right? Because we got on the real estate minute. Um, they became one of your things that you did consistently and that people recognized you for. Right. And that resulted in kind of the Palm Realty Boutique opening up. Can you kind of tell us how this office, this specific office in downtown San Pedro opened? Well, uh, yeah. Now, because of my development background, I've been very interested in what's going on with the waterfront and all that other kind of stuff. Because I'm like, what's going on here? You know, I go back, I just go, they had, before Terrania was built, you know, that was just an empty space. It's like, here, you talk about empty real estate, looking for a football stadium and all that. It's like, what are you doing with this thing? This is amazing. And then what happened with the pipe? The pipe, they said, oh, that'll never happen. It did. People won't come to downtown Long Beach. They do. Uh, and then as I got more involved, uh, I got involved with the Chamber of Commerce. I'm a voting member of the Economic Development Committee. I got on the Northwest Neighborhood Council and now still on the Planning and Land Use Committee for that. So I get to see all these developers present stuff because when we had tax opportunity zones put in place here that allowed for developers to recoup a lot of their investment tax-free if they kept their money in there for 10 years or however it works. So all of a sudden, you know, I saw the activity happen. It's like, it's happening. And the waterfront, the port reorganized. Great guy over there, Mike Galvin, is part of the commercial or leads the commercial uh, activity. You have to have 50-year leases and stuff like this for the waterfront development to actually happen. So there's a lot of things that had to happen for it. Because when people would just complain about, oh, nothing ever happens, it took a while to get there. Um, 
and I would explain a lot more, but I'm afraid I get a lot of it sort of wrong. Um, but because uh, the land down there is held in the title trust and you have to have certain land uses uh, approved, like warehouse one is a really interesting property, but what could the use be? And then you'd have to get the land use approved and that type of stuff. So it just isn't like you can throw a flag down there and it will happen. Um, so I, I was at a chamber event and it was like, man, this is really happening and got involved and brought Mike into a team meeting at uh, Keller Williams. And I started bringing all these developers in from Ponta Vista, which was military housing. Ten years we've been waiting for that. And so how is all this stuff happening? It's great to see the thing over whale and ale. I saw that was the first project I saw presented at a planning and land use committee meeting. And what is what is it over there? It's going to be 45 apartments with ground floor restaurant. Um, where is this? Right across from Whale and Ale. Right here. Yes. In the in the parking lot next to Sirens, or it used to be. No, it's so down the street. The oh yeah, yeah, you're right. Yes. Yeah, right. It's yeah. that empty parking lot that was next to the old Sirens, I should say. It was an empty parking lot, and you're talking about Perry Mason and stuff. Remember, they put the billboards up for mm -hmm. that whole Perry Mason, so that's where that was. Uh, I remember those. Mm -hmm. Yes. So, so all this stuff's happening. You mm. see the courthouse coming down. It's all happening. So what was the question? How, oh, this office. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I had seen, after meeting Brett, you know, now we're Facebook friends, and I see him opening a Redondo Beach office, and he's expanding Playa Vista, and stuff is happening. And I reached out one day late last year and said, hey, Brett, this is Rock. He goes, yeah, Rock the House. Love your videos. It's unbelievable. Um, I go, look, San Pedro's blowing up, and I see what you're doing with other offices. You ever thought about doing something here? And he goes, yeah, I want to expand to the south. So we met a couple times, had brought him down here, had lunch. He liked the vibe, said, great, let's do it, find a space. So I was looking at the towpad stuff over here, but it's not ready to go, and this space was dormant. Uh, it's owned by the Crown Plaza, and... Um, for whatever reason, but we got it and we're here now. So the whole idea was, hey, let's take advantage of what's going on in San Pedro. Um, Palm Realty is a, uh, someone said, I don't know if you're big enough for me. We did a billion dollars in sales last year with like 110 agents. Wow. So there's 10 offices, four in Manhattan Beach, El Segundo, Playa Vista, Lunata Bay, PV, uh, Redondo Beach, blah, blah, blah. We're the 10th office, the coolest vibe. So it is very cool when you're one of the 100 top independent agencies nationally uh, that he took from three agents 16 years ago to where we are now. Um, and it's very cool. And everybody's fairly a producing agent. That's what you have to be to sort of be here and that type of stuff. And it's a little different vibe. It isn't an endless stream of classes and things like this. You actually find and what I have found a lot of stuff that was structured in my previous life and job, I maybe don't need all that stuff. I can do what I need to do. So it's a little different thing. In fact, when I stopped being team leader, all of a sudden real estate started happening again. And all I really do is promote the office yeah. and pretty much San Pedro. Yeah, that's awesome. really cool. Yeah, and it's like a small little boutique um, office setting with multiple offices within it, but it has such a very cool lounge vibe. Oh yeah, it's a yeah. beautiful office space. Yeah. I was going to say, you get involved with a lot of local stuff. So I want to kind of touch, switch gears and talk about that. One being, you're part of the Economic Development Committee. Committee. What is that? For someone who's new, doesn't know anything. And for somebody who has lived here forever, what is that? Yeah. And still doesn't know? And still doesn't know. Yeah. 
So uh, the Chamber of Commerce, I don't exactly know what their official entity is and all that other kind of stuff, probably nonprofit, all that kind of business. But um, they have several different committees, membership committee, blah, 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 all that kind of stuff. And in fact, the reason I got on, I'm in the gym. There's like a bunch of us in the gym because Joe Biscano is in the gym. And I'm talking about the waterfront with John Vagakis, owner of Big Nick's Pizza. He says, hey, come to the Economic Development Committee, just like that. And so it's up over there. And so there's a committee that reviews a lot of these developments. You know, this is what's the update on the port. This is the what's happened with 550 Harbor, which is the new apartments down here. They all go make a presentation. By the time they get to the committee, the chamber committee, they've pretty much been vetted by the neighborhood councils and stuff like this, which really don't have any power or anything, but you want their approval and not to, you know, have people nag on your project and that type of stuff. So it's a, uh, so anyway, it's a committee that does that. And well, what do you do? Do you review just the like financial impact? Do you, do you, does it have to be approved by your committee to move on to the next step or when these plans come? They generally are approved because they, by the time they get to us, they're probably in the shape they need to be in, just Got for the it. record. Um, I think at the Neighborhood Council, there's a little more of scrutiny and stuff like that. And people are, you know, I think things are more, but, but that's what's sort of cool on being both of them. So I can sort of see the evolution of the deal. And by the time it does get to us, it's probably done. Or they may give us an update. Hey, we got a heads up, but we're not asking for a letter of approval now and that type of stuff. Whether it has to be approved is not, I don't think it's a linchpin in the thing, but yeah. you definitely want the chamber to approve it. I would like to go into how we met, yeah, actually. That, that's exactly my next point. How okay. did this beautiful union come about? Well, I guess I'll start with my side. Yeah. So Amanda and I were had discussed about relaunching the podcast. Yeah. And, um, and I want to preface, we've been having coffee at Ojas all this time that yeah. we've been like, every time we get together, it was like coffee at Ojas. Yeah, that's been our pseudo office. <laughs> yeah, And so we would be meeting there and we would talk and we had been discussing options for a recording space. And one of the requirements was that it would be somewhere that was quiet, somewhere that we could have like guests come to and meet us at. And we had tried a few different areas, but like nothing was was really panning out. And that's a thing that really I felt like we were waiting on. We're like, okay, we're ready to get rolling. We have the equipment. We've already tested it out. What is the last thing? And I was like, well, we just need a recording space and we have zero money. So good luck with that. Right. Because like we're just doing this out of like. Yeah. Your passion, my passion. And so then we were sitting there, we had finished up a meeting and I was sitting there just sort of like ruminating. And I realized across the street, I was like, oh, there's like these signs for realty. And in my mind, I was thinking they may know of, because there are so many businesses all across San Pedro or just places that are empty or even homes. Right. Mm -hmm. And I was like, maybe they'll let us just like go into one house and like we record there or we Could go into imagine? one building yeah. and we record there. Like here's some vacant homes. Right, exactly. Or vacant buildings. And I was like, maybe that might work. So I was like, let me just go. And to your point, I think this is a great thing. I Is that if you ever want something, just ask. It doesn't hurt to ask. And yeah. so then I was like, let me just go in there and see. And so I knocked on the door and who else but Rock came to the door, opened it up. And I was just like, hey, so do you know of any places like we're starting a podcast and you know do you know of any places that might potentially be available and i said what's it about and you said 
It's all about San Pedro. I said, sit down. So then he invited me into his office and he's like, come sit down. Tell me a little bit more about this. And I was a little nervous. And I'll, I'll admit, I was kind of like, oh, I don't know what, what, what if I don't sell this? You know, I wasn't ready to pitch it yet. And, um, and then, but sure enough, I did. I, we started talking about it and I gave you my background. I told you about Amanda and how she had been born and raised here and had started it a while ago. And yeah, in that, go ahead. I'll well, let you we, take the... The idea about the office, like I said, at LA Harbor, you know, I had all the developers in there and it was sort of like, because I'd ask agents, you know, do you know about what's going on over here? No, you got to know what's going on over here. So we became a pretty big hub. If you wanted to know what's going on, you come to our office and I was selling that. So it's like when doing this is like, we're going to be right in the heart of everything. And we do want to be a hub of stuff and we will have, it's ha hadn't happened as fast as I sort of wanted to, but I think in September we will have like a development meeting that will give us an update on the Harbor and all sorts of other stuff. And we do want to do that periodically. You know, we just had a meet and greet for LA councilman candidate, Tim McCosker. And so, you know, we do want to host events and, you know, we're going to be on first Thursday and all that other kind of stuff. So you walk in and say, we want to do a podcast and it's on San Pedro. And it's like, well, that sort of fits. And I got space. Um, so, and that, that could be attractive to us also. So yeah. why not? And that's. Yeah. Again. And I was not expecting that because I like I was oh, telling I you, know. I was really thinking, oh, maybe there's an empty space or an empty home. And like you we were could expecting just... like a lead. Like, where could I go? To, exactly. To or at the very. Matter. Yeah, exactly. And when you like walked around the offices and then showed me this office and I you were like, yeah, maybe. I mean, sure. You know, why don't you email me? Why don't you. And in a very rock way, handed the business card <laughs> <laughs> and was like, follow up. And I remember texting you right after. And, and I, I was like, like that's not. Yeah. And I was like, I think he's offering the office. I don't know. I was like, I don't know. And we talked and she was just like, I was uh. like, there's no way he's yeah. going to give us an entire office to record in. And sure enough, yeah. your generosity, honestly, is so incredible. I want to highlight too that the office that we're in is pretty much the opposite of your office and equivalent to like the corner CEO office. Can I just say that? <laughs> Because we have this gorgeous, huge window that takes up a wall, looks right over Ojas, mm -hmm. and we're right here by Crown, Pla Crown Plaza Hotel. Mm -hmm. We're in between two rent-a-car, you know, businesses, um, you know, Enterprise and Hertz is right here. And so you're constantly getting this flow of traffic of people, not only for the coffee shop, but also people who are just traveling through town. And it's already happened that, you know, because we have our sign in the window, it says recording in progress. We have our logo, which Rock was very adamant about. Put your sign in the window. I know. <laughs> the branding goes both ways. Yes, yes. The branding goes both ways. And that was such a good idea because we've already seen people like stop and take note of it and take a picture of it, you know. And even if they're just passing through, they have this, you know, portal to a whole town if they want it. You know yeah. what I mean? Which is really cool and exciting. Um, and I think one of the reasons we really wanted to bring that up is like we just thought it was really awesome how like for us, this is huge. You know, we wouldn't be able to afford a nice recording space like this, you we know, afford to lease, to rent, none of that. Yeah, yeah, it would. And in the past, I've recorded um, in the back of Siren's, you know, coffee house with Yolanda and um, I've also recorded at another business up on 6th Street. They just offered their, 
you know, they gave me a key to their business, which is amazing, and, you know, offered their office as well, and they're no longer here. But I wanted to highlight the amazing way that people in Pedro, and this includes you, Rock, tend to just pull people up. You know what yeah. I mean? Just support, support other other creators and businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, thank you so much. And I feel like, yeah, I was going to say, I feel t- touching on that. This is a trend that I've noticed here in San Pedro. Like we talked about how um, Sirens at one point was carrying the Chori Man mm-hmm. and now the Chori Man has its own place and he's doing the same thing with, yes. you know, the pop-ups that are happening right outside. And this is like a Colossus did that with Miller Butler too, pizza. It's like, I love how neighborhood and communal these like the corner store as well. The corner store. uh, Yes, definitely. The The corner corner store store has, um, you know, local artists, you know, put their work up in their shop and they've also given their space for local pop ups. Yeah. Well, and, you know, John Bagakis, new owner, just had his ribbon cutting two Saturdays ago and definitely wants to up the game there and all that kind of stuff, which is cool. You know, you have an asset. It's like. Let's optimize it, right? So we're here, and like, it's great having you both here. You give us a good bolt of energy and stuff like that. And as I talk about you, as I, like yesterday, I was looking at open houses, and uh, the lender that was with me is like, I go, I'm doing the podcast tomorrow. And they go, they're interviewing you? And it's like, no, well, you don't think I'm worth interviewing? I'm like, well, I know the podcast girls were going to be there, but I didn't know they talked to you. It's like, well, you know. Part of the deal. But uh, no, we love having you here. And I think you bring attention to us, too. And that's the the whole idea. It's good business. You know, I mean, because if you help somebody else, that somebody will help you. Sort of how it works in real estate, too. And also, you become front of mind for us. You know what I mean? So when we hear people needing a realtor or when we feel like you could have the answer to a question that we hear on our side, and we're talking to everybody in town mostly, (laughs) You know, I feel like that is that's good for you. That's good for the business, right? Right. And I think if only, you know, well, a lot of people do do that, as we mentioned. But I think if more businesses did that, you know, we all have a way to help each other out. And um, we're creating such a harmonious community that way. Yeah. And it's kind of like that saying when... um, like when the tide rises, all boats go up. You yeah. know what I mean? What's yeah. that phrase? Yeah, that's pretty much it. That's pretty much it, right? So when the tide comes, it raises, it lifts all boats. You know? I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's then, so applicable to San Pedro. Yeah. Too. Whether you're a yacht or a little fishing boat, like when the or tide comes. Or a tugboat. Comes, yeah. yeah. And um, and that's, that's how I feel. Yeah. And I just think it's great. And not only that, but you want to also have artists show their work you want to open the office up to the to artists for first thursday is that right well when we got the space Mm -hmm. and the owner told me like rock find the space we'll trip it out this is what i do he's very much into staging and interior design he's got a warehouse full of stuff there was cubicles here in the middle there's like a little desk in the front stuff we'll tear this all down you know what we have i call it the (laughs) infield but we have couch and chairs and whatever and when people do come in here and you've seen it they stay, you know, it's like, okay, it's time to go, <laughs> but it's like, it's too comfy, exactly. you know? So, and, and that's, so that's it. So we want to host things here. And I know you guys are talking about doing something in the future. Oh, and we stuff. have so many events planned right. in this office, by well, the way. Well, even when they asked the Tim McCosker thing, they didn't want to do it at my house. I go, but I got this, you know, it's like, uh, so that's not the deal. We are the coolest vibe. Uh, you mentioned first Thursday. So in downtown San Pedro on the first Thursday of every month, you know, is called the uh, Art Walk. 
And so there's actually a specified art walk and there's a specified tour, but a lot of people just come down to hang out and the food trucks are out here. So it's like a block party yeah. downtown San Pedro. Well, as of August, we probably will officially be on the art walk because we're sort of a block away from it a little bit. But um, uh, I'm meeting with the Waterfront Art Committee, district, whatever they are, uh, next week because uh, I sat next to uh, Kathy Creighton, who I've known but didn't really exactly know what she did. And we were at the chamber event. I said, what do you do? She said, well, we're the Waterfront uh, Art District. And it's like, what do you do? We organize the tours. And I go, can we be on the tour? I want to be on the tour. There's a whole reason here. She goes, we don't have any art. And I go, the entire office is art. And then she goes, wait a minute, would you host artists and stuff? I go, absolutely. Yeah. She goes, oh, this is exciting. So we're meeting next week to figure out how that will all work. Mm -hmm. So, And uh, you're when you're ready for artists, I have a suggestion. I know you do. I know you do. <laughs> what I like to ask all of my guests is kind of a two-part question. Um, first, what concerns you about San Pedro, if there's anything like, and, and I feel like I could change this question up to where do you think there's room for improvement in San Pedro? And then the second part is what excites you about San Pedro? I don't know if anything really concerns me because I like the where, direction it's going. And I've been waiting so long that I, a lot of people and whatever, um, being in some type of development nature of business, I've seen it where nobody wants any progress. So there's always these not in my backyard type people, yeah. right? And I, I've noticed this in my engagement with the neighborhood councils. There's some people who just did not want any improvement. So that concerned me early on. Of could people, and I've seen it in meetings yes. where people were screaming at developers, and I would run out the developers. I go, "It's going to be okay," because we don't want people going. You'll never get anything done down there, type thing. So I actually have a question for you. It's a little bit of a hot seat question, but. Um, there are a lot of people here that have concern with, and I, I appreciate the fact that you actually have a long history with development and like seeing it through the years, but there's a lot of people that do have concerns about development here in San Pedro and what it could mean for the people that have family history here, that have stake here, that would like to continue to live here, of what this development may leave out. With development, sometimes the shiny new thing can get lost, like the, the culture can get lost in that, right? What are your answers to them? Or what do you I don't say? Th I don't think so. I, 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 and I, I hear that. I hear that on all these meetings, you know, the change. You know, the, the, the projects on Pacific, where the spot is, and also where I, that, that pink building, which was Raging Waters or something like that, there was two apartments. They've been slowed because people complaining about it. And it's like, what's there? There's nothing there, you know? And it's like, oh, the traffic will be bad or whatever. I remember a constituent coming to the planning and land use meeting. We were discussing the project. And the guy stood up and he goes, I really want my daughter to remain in San Pedro. And she's not going to be able to afford a house, but she can afford an apartment. And most of these things going up are apartments. So you talk about affordable housing, that's not really the de definition of affordable housing. But, you know, even in 550 Harbor, you can get 1,700 square feet for like 2,500 bucks a month, um, which in Long Beach would be 5,000 along the water. So uh, I think- But so what about to the specific concern of like the small town feel, of it being getting lost with like big sky rise buildings, which I get address some of the housing 
issues for sure. Like you, yeah. you need more housing to drive the price down. You need more housing to be able to increase the population and address that. But like, what about the small town feel of it all? I don't know <laughs> if we'll ever get away from small town feel. You know, I always always call this our little corner of the world. Right. You know, and because we're not a drive-through community. Well, to your point, Rock, I was gonna say that. I feel a lot better knowing who's kind of in charge of the development and who is developing here. It, like just to know that somebody did do a few slides on the on the history, that makes me happy because I think at the end of the day what eases eases a concern is the respect for the culture, for the history, for what makes this town so special, right? But, but in all that approval process, I sort of hinted about that they they get it. Yeah. They or get just it. even some guy walking in and saying San Pedro uh, 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 okay, the developer. Let's go do it again. For Walk Ponta the door. Vista, there's, it's called Harris Development that did the whole, there's several different builders tried to do that. They needed someone who could deal with Caltrans and a bunch of different places. Um, I won't mention his name, but he, when he came to a planning and land use, he made sure he knew how to pronounce it because he was on a phone call with a chamber. He said yeah. San Pedro, and it was like he got, uh, 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 uh. Yeah. and I'm pretty big on that too. And by the way, that actually happened. I don't know if you ever did anything i think that happened uh, like after the civil war when it became very anglicized and stuff like that yeah mm -hmm. um episode one with angela romero she goes in depth about what why you pronounce it san pedro why it may have been but yeah. as people go through the process they get they get it okay or they're gonna have to get it in order to do it and look one of the developers of the, the downtown or waterfront development is Jericho Development. It's Alan and Eric Johnson. Uh, when we had Alan in here too uh, a couple a month or so ago, but um, they're not going to let it, yeah. you know. Yeah. So you get, and that's the smart thing too. You go into an area. Um, Rakovich is well known, and they do great stuff and whatever. But you get a local entity involved with you that helps the process and stuff. Yeah. And so, and I just can tell you, the chamber people are very. Big Aware Elise Swanson, the president, yeah. and all this stuff. It's like, you I, know. I feel like we have some guardians, yeah. right, that are involved. And that makes me feel a lot better. The other thing I want to say, and something that I would like to echo, is the fact that you yourself, you're like, you wanted to know what was going on. And so you joined being part of like the neighborhood council. You joined being part of a committee in the chamber of commerce. So those are also like really good ways. It's like get involved, right? And I think that that's been a running thread too, is like get involved to know. On that note, I think that's a good place to, to leave off. Um, thank you so much, honestly. Cool. Thank you for so much, not just being here, but also for being so generous with the community and like, us, yeah. the podcast. All that and, you're doing for us, too, yeah. which is really awesome. We feel the support, and we feel, yeah, we're incredibly grateful. Yeah. Good, good. <laughs> Glad to have you here. Mm -hmm. um, so lastly, where can people find you? Ooh. Well, you can call me at 562-243-2809 or email me at rockashfield at gmail.com. Uh, what's the website? Rockthehouse.prbhomes, which stands for Palm Realty Boutique Homes.com. Uh, or just follow me on Facebook. It's really the easiest thing. You'll see what I cook. You'll find my cats, uh, all sorts of interesting stuff like that. You'll yeah. find the real estate minute there. Yeah, with the latest one with the podcast girls right before we did this podcast, <laughs> which will come out way earlier than August. Whatever it is. Um, and, yeah. And we're at 255 West 6th Street. Um, generally here all the time. I go out on Brokers Opens midday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Uh, if you're ever in the area, want to drop by, then text me real quick. 
uh, to make sure I'm here because uh, we'd love to meet you, love to show you the coolest vibe in South Bay real estate. Yeah. And then they could, what gym can they find you at? Heyday. All right. Shout out to Heyday. I feel like all the cool people go to Heyday. Yeah, it seems like it. Yeah. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you, Rock. We, yeah, thank we're, you. We're so glad that you were here. I'll yeah. stop talking now. No. Um, yeah. <laughs> all right. Signing out. Thank all for our episode follow us for more on instagram at hello sp podcast huge thanks to rock ashfield at palm realty boutique for providing us such a gorgeous recording space and thank you to all of our amazing patreon supporters leave us a review and share this episode with your friends neighbors and coworkers. see you next week